Welcome to How to Love Forever. In this episode, we share the second part of our interview with sexologist Dr. Amanda Morgan. We dish about our shared time working and volunteering at the Erotic Heritage Museum in Las Vegas. She reveals some steamy NASA sex secrets. And she tells us about the first time she met a man puppy. (laughs) All coming up right Right now. now. Hi. I'm Marco. And I'm Heather. We invite you on a journey of discovery as we explore techniques, tools, and inspiration to better our love lives and our sex lives. Join us as we travel the world, seeking out the stories that can help improve how we do romance and relationships. Come with us as we discover how how to to love love forever. forever. Hi, and welcome back to How to Love Forever, the podcast that explores love, relationships, and sexuality. My name is Heather. Yay! And I'm Marco. In today's episode, we have the second half of our fascinating and hilarious interview with sexologist Amanda Morgan, PhD. It was such a good interview that we didn't want to edit away a single moment of it, which is why Marco turned it into a two-part series for you. So last week's episode, we covered the first half, and this week's episode takes us the rest of the way, touching on some unique topics that really only a professional sex educator could share. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> uh, we had so many laughs. I can't wait to share it all with you. I think you're going to enjoy it just as much as we did. So let's just get right into it, shall we? Let's do it. Ladies, gentlemen, everything in between and beyond, here is the second half of Dr. Amanda Morgan, PhD sexologist. My goal is to create a safe space for people to get more comfortable with themselves, to get a better understanding of the human body. And once again, like you said, the spectrum of it, whether it's the physical representations or the um, orientation, uh, the gender identity spectrums that many of us have, and to foster respect and openness. So for if they choose to have children, that they will not continue the cycle of misinformation and fear. Because I have so many students whose Mm. parents never talk to them about sex. Not once, not never. Mm. It's shocking. Uh, To the point where the silence, and I asked them that. I said, did their silence around this topic teach you something? And they're like, oh, yes. Because then they don't feel safe. If they're getting abused, they don't feel safe. Uh. If they, if I've had students who've got their first period. And thought they were dying because mm-hmm. nobody told them. And so they go tell their little brother, I've been bleeding for four days. And their little brother's like, well, you got to go to the hospital, man. You know, like, what's wrong with you? Because they weren't even uh-huh. taught the basics of human development. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe part of my mission is curing the ignorance and releasing so much of the shame that so many people carry. And then some of the guilt. Because I think people feel guilty for having sexual feelings and desires. And I want them to know they're not alone. And that there is a rainbow of people and diversity out there. And that because you're interested in this or because you feel a certain way about yourself or about who you're attracted to, that that's, that's okay. That guess what? This is part of the human experience and you're not alone and there's nothing wrong with you. So that's and part of my mission. It's being alone that is probably the worst aspect. Feeling alone as a human is just absolutely debilitating. Totally. And then you internalize it. And then it, it's just interesting to see the process that people go through. And then then the unfolding from that. It can take a while. It can take longer than 16 weeks. I mean, I have friends now who are in their 30s and 40s who are still slowly unfolding. Even older than that. I've worked with women in their 60s who are still... I I worked with a woman in her 60s once who looked at her vulva for the first time at 67 years old. And I'm guessing the older generation it is that you come from, the more tangles there are to work out. Yep. The more misinformation, the more shame. Uh, We have been slowly opening up. 
not fast enough for a lot of us. Nope. Um, so if you if you want to share, what are some of your what are some of the most inspiring unfoldings you've been able to witness as a, a sexologist? Mm. Yeah. What are your greatest successes? I had a woman from Iran who had moved here and was still struggling with that identity that she had had in Iran, where she had to be covered all the time. You know, women don't do this, women do that. And she said, during the period of my class, she went and bought a pair of shorts, which was a big deal. She had two sons and she started to let them run around naked around the house if they wanted, so they could learn to be feel comfortable in their bodies because she never was given that gift to feel comfortable in their bodies. And she told me that one day she was riding around campus with her shorts on, on a bicycle, which women are not allowed to do in Iran. And she said it was the freest she had ever felt in her life. And it was just those moments, like, I get almost teary-eyed thinking about it because she had just had such a cultural shift in herself and in her heart towards really owning this this newfound freedom that she had and starting to not be afraid of her body like she had been taught to be afraid for her whole life, to not continue the pattern that she had been raised in and wanted something better for her own children. That one definitely pulled pulled my heartstrings, and I still think about her today. Hmm. You literally gave me chills and brought tears to my eyes. With yeah, that. I'm getting a little <laughs> glassy eyed too right Thank now. That's just such a beautiful story of the little liberations. You know, mm. just those, just being able to ride a bike in shorts. It's such a just regular American thing. You have chewing gum commercials about it. You know, and <laughs> and yet that is yeah. ultimate freedom to someone. Mm -hmm. That that is so liberating really is. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I'm uh I'm really inspired by the work that you do, your arc, uh your historic arc. Obviously, we we've known you for 15 years or so yeah, at this almost, point. Almost, yeah, cuz I think I was 20 I was 22 when I started working at well, actually 21 to 22 when I started working at the museum. So, I've met you literally like yeah, 13ish years ago. Wow. Which yeah, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> and this is the first time that we've actually just really sat down and had any kind of meaty conversation. <laughs> I love it. It's... And we get to record it so you can listen to it again and again, and again, I'm and, hoping, again and again. I'm hoping this isn't the only conversation we get yeah. to have in this forum. I want you to be a recurring guest. I, I am here for all of your sex <laughs> educator needs. But like, so you, so you had asked me... And, and, I just kind of wanted to finish. How how the hell did I get to the museum in the first place, right? So, I love that. Um, yes. I, I, I kind of decided when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be a sex therapist. That's what I thought I was going to do. And at the age of 16, I was giving blowjob lessons on Corona bottles to my friends. Like, I, they, I had many friends who called me mom because they felt safer talking to me than their own mothers. Like, mm. I got Mother's Day cards in high school, like, Aww. for real. Um, <laughs> and so I kind of knew I had this gift of holding, like, a safe space for people to learn so I went to college for counseling, thinking I was going to be a therapist, and then kind of realized towards the end of my degree, I didn't want to be a therapist. It's a hard route. And I didn't want to be angry when people didn't take my advice or when they went back to the person or when they started doing the drugs again or whatever. And so I went and started my, after my uh, bachelor's in human services counseling, I started my master's in public health. And about six months into that, I discovered the Erotic Heritage Museum. And at the Erotic Heritage Museum, one of the goals when they first started was to make it a satellite for the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality based out of San Francisco, which is a sexology school that had been around since the 70s. 
Sadly, it is no longer around. It was kind of a family business. And as the family has died out, so too has has the school. But not the people that it created and brought together, which I think is is important. We're all still out here doing some powerful work. This and is so, a very good thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So while I was doing my master's, I actually did my doctorate at the same time. And I got my doctorate in human sexuality uh, right around the same time I got my master's in public health. And that's why I was kind of literally right out the gate from graduating UNLV's sex educator was retiring and my boss was like hey you want a job and I was like um because he knew I'd worked at the sex museum for several years and he's like you know you want to come teach like we need somebody and you're definitely the most qualified person I know so I started teaching at UNLV at 24 <laughs> which That's is incredible. just wild <laughs> and worked a little while for the museum and then kind of you know, that tapered, if anything, I'd kind of volunteer a tiny bit. But the museum, I mean, I was the event director and the education director at the museum. And then the manager was Dorian. And together, as you all remember, we had some wonderful parties. We made some memories. And I mean, even <laughs> even my partner, I met at the sex museum. At least half of my friends I have met from working at the Erotic Heritage Museum. And so like, I'm so grateful the universe put me into that world, because it shifted everything to the direction that I was kind of hoping I would end up in. And I'm very much like living on a daily basis now. So thank you, Dr. Ted, wherever you are in the, in the universe. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. Ted. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Dr. Ted. We appreciate it. <laughs> those were great days at the Erotic Heritage Museum. And uh, just for those in the audience that don't know, uh, it is the Sex Museum in Las Vegas. And uh, when Dr. Amanda was working there as an educator and in curator, entertainment coordinator, etc. Toilet cleaner. We did it all. Uh, Heather and I, yes, (laughs) indeed. Heather and I were, with our small entertainment company that we have in Las Vegas, we were helping put together fundraisers for the museum. So the parties were quite interesting. There was, you know, obviously the walk through the museum. So it was it was always like this sort of erotically charged environment and lots of people from very diverse walks of sexual expression, you know, were there to uh, show support for the museum. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated the most about that time is uh, is seeing the diversity of life experience expressed in sexuality that attracted people to the museum because of how safe they felt there. It felt like a sex positive recreation center like that because we had so many different communities. We had the rope bondage people. We had the leather people. We had trans folks. We even had like a cross dresser convention one time, which is different than trans folks, by the way. Sure Um, is. Yes, it is. I mean, we had so many unique people through there. I mean, the BDSM community was had their arms very open to us and, and us to them. And I mean, I learned so much just interacting with people. So many of the misconceptions I'd had when I was a 21 year old, you know, wanted to work at the sex museum thinking I knew everything. Like, I didn't know shit. I didn't know anything. Like, like you were asking funny stories. Do you want a funny, one of those like, oh my God, museum stories, yes, please? Bring it. So I think I've been working there a month and a half. So I was still very green. And, you know, going in like, welcome to the museum. Let me just show you around a little because I enjoyed giving a little bit of the tour. So I started talking to this guy and he's like, oh, I own an erotic bakery in San Francisco. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. You know, welcome to the museum. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I love living there. I have a puppy. Do you want to see a picture of my puppy? And I'm thinking like, oh, golden retriever puppy. (laughs) Oh, cool. Pulls out his phone and it is a man. It is a naked man in a Doberman mask. Okay. Like, 
full leather, like little little paws, <laughs> little tail butt plug. And he's like, yeah, this is my puppy. And I was like, oh, it's a man puppy. <laughs> and like, I really had not had a ton of exposure to that at that time. And he's like, yeah, you know, he comes over on weekends and he has his little bed and he sleeps at the foot of my bed. And, you know, but we, we do have sex. And he has a collar, but he's in trouble right now. So I might take his collar away. And it was just, and I'm like... Can you bring your puppy here? Like, could you bring your puppy? Because you could walk your puppy around the museum. Like, we would be totally okay with that. He's like, oh, that'd be great. I'll tell him. And next time we're here, I will bring my puppy. Fast forward. Uh, Month later, he shows back up with his puppy. So he introduces me to puppy. Puppy was too scared to wear his dog mask. So I actually got to see him in his human face. But he only responded to puppy, which I loved. And he said, you know, this is Dr. Amanda. Actually, I wasn't Dr. Amanda yet. This is Amanda. Um, you know, she's the one I was telling you about. Puppy, tell her how I woke you up this morning. And he looks at me with his glint in his eyes. And he goes, he woke me up fisting me. <gasps> oh, my God. And I'm like, well, that'll wake you up faster than coffee. Like, wonderful. (laughs) And then have fun in the museum. Like, those those were those kind of moments where I was just like, I love what just happened. (laughs) And it's so unique. How many opportunities do you get, especially as a a green, inexperienced little 21 year old? (laughs) Yeah. That's... Talk about blowing your mind wide open. Uh-huh. Oh, I mean, so many times. And and I'd meet people who would just tell me stories that would, you know, uh, change me. I, I met a guy once who uh, said that he had actually worked for NASA. And we started talking about sex in space, which, you know, especially with space travel, all the rockets going up, rocket man shit that we're doing right now. People want to fuck in space, right? It's not the sure one mile do. high club. It's like the 30 mile high club. People yes, want to fuck everywhere. Exactly. That's just what That's we want to do. Every time a technology invented the first thing we do is learn how to kill somebody with it the second thing is how can we make this into sex yes yeah very 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 true i think the reason we have blu-ray is because of porn by the way like if you actually look at the technology chains it's it's fascinating so many of of the technology advances we have we can thank to the adult industry so tell us about this nasa sex thing so i i had asked him i was like so has anybody had sex in space he's like yeah and I was like, oh, okay. He said there was like a husband and wife astronaut. And he's like, NASA created like a little Velcro pouch. Like, because the thing is, if you like, fuck, then you bounce off each other yes. and then you float away. So you like one stroke and now you, you're you like halfway Gravity is it. helpful. Damn for... you, Newton's third law of motion. <laughs> right? And so it's, it's. He's, he told me, he's like, yeah, like you have to be in this little kind of Velcro <laughs> pouch so you can stay close enough to each other to be able to have sex. And he's like, but the, when it happened, they actually, this is what he said. He said that they, they fucked the ship out of orbit and that they actually had to fire up the engines to get it back onto like the orbit that like had been planned for the ship. That's some good humping. Right? I was like, also like what pioneers? Like if you think, if you know that you're like the first humans to be fucking in space, like get it, get it good. Like. <laughs> I'm sure like most things space, the Russians did it first, but you know, the Americans, Ooh. it counts, it mm-hmm. counts, mm-hmm. it counts. <laughs> but the, uh, the whole bungee bumper get up must have been a very interesting thing to look at. Did you ever see pictures of it? No, no, I, I would have loved to. And it was funny because it was one of those where he's kind of like giving me what felt like, like the inside story, right. you know? And, and then he told like, me later I, that I could I tell you, but I'd have to kill you. That, it felt like that. And then he's all like, oh yeah, you know, I retired and now I own an online sex toy store. And I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, you're you're doing good for yourself. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's wonderful. But yeah, I was at the museum for four years um, in terms of the time I worked there and then the time that I kind of was around. And then it basically shut down and completely switched management. And so it is run completely by Deja Vu now. I remember those times and I remember being quite sad for the turnover. And of course, you know, Deja Vu, you know, they, they do their own thing and uh, they are running an adequate thing. In my personal opinion, because of my involvement with the previous iteration, it was, uh, it's the version of it that's in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I always appreciated how like sex positive nerdy it was because you think sex museum and it's like, oh, it's got to be, you know, raunchy or it, it could be this whole permutations of things. But it was just so very wholesome. There was the, an academic side of it, especially with the library being there that isn't there now, obviously. It, it feels more of a storage unit about a mile that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For our next podcast interview, we're going to go rummage around in there and we're going to get some nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> you would love that, believe me. <laughs> Let me ask you about the relationship between sexuality and relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to bring in, sort of sort of guide the conversation a little bit in that direction because obviously it's kind of what our podcast is about. We all know the answer. Sexuality is very important to relationships. You, as a technician and intellectual in that field, can answer how. So I would like to hold space for the fact that some people, sex isn't important, right? Thank you. Thank you. We, we do have our asexuals who they don't, sex, just they'd much rather like have a good piece of pie than have an orgasm. It's just, it's not the way that their brain is wired. They say that's about 1% of our population. Okay. Now for the majority of people, um, I think sexuality kind of as we grow up, it's kind of how adults play. I think that, that that's a way that we bond. Huh. It's a way that we explore I think in relationship, it's a way we get some validation from it. Like, and not everybody gets their validation from sex, but some people like they need sex to feel validated. If, if sex is not happening in their relationship, they feel like, what is the point of this relationship? There's chemicals in our brain that sex likes to release that can make us feel very good and very connected. Right? We've got the vasopressin and we've got the oxytocin and then we've got the good old dopamine. You throw that in there and... Right? And so you start feeling real good. Orgasm is definitely a powerful, intimate thing to share with people. I feel like a lot of people feel like their sexuality is connected to someone else having to share it with them. Well, I definitely am more of the, I, I think we all own our own. I think you should be responsible for your own pleasure as well. Mm. Um, I think self-pleasuring is very important, especially to learn how to have pleasure and then be able to articulate that to other partners. Like the whole, they, they gave me an orgasm. That always bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> because it's like, I can't be like, here's an orgasm. Yeah, like, I got this uh, <laughs> orgasm from Amazon. Yes. Yeah. 10, 10 orgasms. The 12th is free. You know, like, like you swipe it and you come like, we're not there because it is an inside job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think sexuality for, for centuries has been a way that, that we've been controlled by, by religion, by culture. When you make someone afraid of their own body and of their own natural hormone cravings, 
you control everything about them. And I think that we can look back for thousands of years of history and seen how, how sex has been used to control people, right? Indeed. They used to say, you can't have sex on Sundays and you can only have sex in one position and, you know, depending on, on what and religious only with this one person and only to make a kid and yes. yeah, yeah, all of mm-hmm. those things, yeah. all of the restrictions. And so I think that... There's a lot of hangups. I think a lot of, for example, to work with college kids, especially if they have not yet had sex, a lot of them, especially the ones who want to wait till marriage, have sex on this platter. That's just this, this shiny, amazing, wonderful thing that's going to be so amazing when they do it. And I'm like, <laughs> so you guys, just so you know, like the first time you have sex, it might not be very good. It's probably going to be pretty stupid and awkward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because the students who are you know, sexually experienced, usually say, oh, yeah, yeah, it was awful. Like, <laughs> it was, you know, this is what happened. And it was awful and confusing. And my parents walked in, you know, whatever. There was broken glass and a yeah. nosebleed involved. It I was mean, just, yeah. I've heard some stories. Um, <laughs> and the smells. <laughs> the police never left the house. <laughs> I had a student once who his first hand job, the girl pulled back too far on his foreskin and ripped open his foreskin. Yowie. And they had to end up in the hospital. <laughs> So, you know, sometimes your sexual debut can be kind of rough. Oh, um, so sad. But I think we need to have these, like, conversations about, like, yes, sex can be a spiritual experience. I personally have had sex that, like, I've seen mandalas. I've, I have I had sex one time. I saw a map <laughs> and a flag. I was like, what is happening in my brain? Like, what? Are you ha- having sex with Christopher what Columbus? Or I what? mean, I, maybe someone discovered a new land. I literally Ooh. went and looked up flags trying to find out what flag I like orgasm hallucinated and I couldn't find it. Oh my so, gosh. Like, I think sex can take you out of your body and connect you to a higher power of, of just like transcending when you're crying, you know, and coming. That, that's a thing. I think many people never get there because maybe they don't even give themselves permission to let to let go enough to, to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a very human thing. I think it is the most human thing. It is, in fact, how we make humans. And, uh, you know, that is why I also like to remove the shame and the taboos around this, because I think it is, in fact, the most basic thing. If, if we were not having sex, humanity would be over very quickly. <laughs> so with relationships... I think it can be hard because a lot of people are afraid to share what they want. And I think that that's one of the things that like good relationships have is good communication. Mm. And so we're not ever taught sexual communication. You have to kind of learn that. It might not have ever been modeled to you either. And so really empowering relationships to to feel comfortable to ask for what they want instead of deciding that their partner is going to think they're a freak or going to leave them because they, I don't know, want to use this new toy or they want to lick peanut butter off your body or whatever you're into, right? And so some people I think will, like I have a friend. She's been married for 25 years and she fakes it almost all the time. And when her husband is done, after she's flailed around, putting on a show, he goes and showers and she masturbates and comes. And that's just it. That's, that's, and and when she told me that it broke my heart and and she's like, well, I can't tell him the truth now. Like I've lied to him for 25 years. What do I do? And I was like, okay. And I, I, that she's not the only person I've heard those stories from. And so some people I think will put up with a lot, even if they're not getting their needs met. And I really, I, I do hope that with this podcast you're all doing, that you can raise some awareness about communication and about it being okay to share what you want and to get your needs met. Because it's amazing how many people will sacrifice themselves just to keep their partner happy, even if they're lying to them. That's exactly our, our goal. And if you're lying to your partner, are they happy? Truly? 
And if you don't away. have integrity, if, if you don't have honesty and that true connection, and if your your partner knows there's something missing, if you're not having a true orgasm, for example. There's that adage, ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Is it really? Wouldn't you rather frame your relationship as this sacred space where you get to explore everything that gives you joy, everything that gives your partner joy? And play, like in the Garden of Eden, without shame, without guilt, you know? It's my guess. That's what we're trying to help promote in mm-hmm. in this podcast, is, is, a, is a relationship structure more open to opportunity, to possibility, to diversity, to play, uh, within the boundaries of what makes people comfortable in their own sense of integrity. I would argue that lying to somebody for 25 years is not necessarily within that definition. And there are reasons that that is being done, but not necessarily a thing that I would say, hey, let's do that. So for me, yeah, it is very important. As sexual people, obviously sexuality is very important to us in our relationship, which is where my question came from. Uh, And yes, I absolutely agree (laughs) that there are other people for whom it is not as important or not even a topic of discussion. And that is absolutely healthy in their way, etc. And if somebody needs to dress up like a pony or a puppy, and that is within their healthy spectrum, then fantastic, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, So yeah, I really appreciate the work that you do at UNLV for helping create Mm -hmm. uh, a greater feeling of freedom and diversity. I appreciate the fact that you've liberated people enough to make them feel good about riding a bicycle in shorts, as well as having multiple orgasms and doing all of the other things. Or coming out. I've had many students who've come out. The thing I would like to say that's been fascinating really in the past year is how many openly bisexual students I have. It Mm. is the most I've ever had. Mm. And... I don't know if it's the, just the younger generation is just becoming much more comfortable and open and expressive. But I mean, like first day of class, they're like, yeah, like <laughs> I have a girl this semester who is collared. She is in a full blown BDSM relationship. Wow. Um, and first day of class, she, she's explaining this in her introduction to people, you know? And so it's just the, the, the openness and the self-disclosure, it gives me joy and sometimes takes me aback because I have to dance this kind of fine line of how much of myself do I share with them versus maintaining kind of that academic environment. Right. And I mean, and, and I, I'm a human and I think it's important for them to know I'm a human and that I do have relationships and I have had experiences, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting line. And I, I, still, I still do the, the shuffle around it for sure. I have to tell you, being a sexologist and a sex educator, people assume so much about me. Right. And I mean, to the point where I'll invite people over for a party and they think I'm having an orgy because of what I do for a living. Uh, and it's yeah. like, no, no, believe me, you'd know if I was having that kind of party. Um, also probably wouldn't have invited you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but like, it's, it's amazing to see, I mean, even my colleagues, some of them, there's the assumptions they make about me. The things that people have said to me, like how they, I must do research on everybody or I must be having sex with everybody um, or, or just the gross things where people are like, I'll get an A in your class or uh, you're, I'm hot for teacher. And I get, like, honestly, none of that does anything for me. If anything, like, like I'm just dry. Like, <laughs> and any, any possibility of arousal is a hundred percent gone when you start like teacher fantasy me. 
uh-uh, not my kink, not my thing. Which is also why I've successfully gone 10 years without sleeping with any of my students. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yes, yeah. I'm glad we got that on record. <laughs> yes. Clap, clap, clap. I have clap, never clap, done clap. that. Just and in I'm, case I'm, there's any doubt. <laughs> I'm very proud of that, though. Because I believe me, I know college professors who do sleep with their students. Mm. And I just have had to hold myself to a higher standard because of the assumptions that people have well, about yeah. this field. Well, you're holding a stick of dynamite thematically in your hand. And it is. It's a thing that could blow up in your face. It's a thing that could harm others. Obviously, we've got to treat it with kid gloves because it is a subject matter that so many people are just not ready for, which is what really your work is about. Yeah. And I I love it. It is incredibly rewarding. I I literally change lives. And they write me. I get little love notes from my former students. And sometimes Uh even years later, it's so nice to know that you can make that impact in someone's, maybe for the rest of their life. Like, I've had students who are like, I think about you every time I use a condom. And I'm like, that's a little much, you know? (laughs) Like, you don't need to think about me every time. I want you to be making that decision. Oh, that's so funny. You should have a line of condoms, like, just, like, with your face printed on them. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, I've thought about it. I actually do own VegasCondoms.com. I thought about starting a condom company at one point. So I keep renewing that one just in case. I thought about making almost like an Uber delivery for condoms in this right. town that's actually been done in a few college mm-hmm. towns too much success if you have a better selection than what walgreens has i mean especially in this town right you get people from all over the world like you might need international brands of condoms to make sure that they fit the way they want to so i've thought about that but i don't know i'm now now that i'm done with my phd i'm, I'm entering into a like entrepreneurial like imagining of like the things I could do, whether or not that continues with me at UNLV or, or maybe I start my own thing one day. But at this point, I'm really enjoying what we're creating at UNLV. That's fantastic. Is there any kind of pet project that's first and foremost in your mind's eye right now? Well, Dr. Sexpot's Erotic Circus is my variety show. And every time that I have done it, it's sold out. The thing that I love about it is it's themed. So everyone has a different theme and I do costume contests. So a lot of the Burning Man people, right? I am a burner. Any excuse to get dressed up in costumes, right? They're there. Of course. And then for like, you know, costume contest wins, I'd give out porn and sex toys and I'd, I'd have fun with that. Obviously, it's an 18 and up show. I would also like to, to put that in there as well. Um, <laughs> I am a creative person like you guys. Um, I'm a musician. I, I have been a professional salsa dancer at one point in my life. <laughs> like I've, I've worn very many hats and it's nice because i'm coming into a point where i now have time to be creative again and i feel more whole when i am able to be creative because when i'm academic it's it's like this part of my brain and then this part's like you should go play ukulele for a while and i haven't nurtured it and so just recently like i actually i just performed at the planned parenthood fundraiser um the governor was there which is really cool that's awesome um and that was like one of the first times in three years i've been on a stage Mm. and i was so high from that experience like Mm -hmm. to be on stage again to have that audience there i mean you guys know there's there's really nothing in the world equal to it We've all missed it the last 18 oh, months. God, it's been so hard. And so it, it was it was like spiritual for me and it kind of jump started me. So I'm really trying to be more creative, whether that means I bring my show back and I'm in talks with someone about potentially using a space and bringing back the surface, which mm. would be really, really fun. Part of me would love to open up a sexuality center. I have all the art and the books. I mean, I basically have all the good shit that came out of the museum. I have it all. It's here. 
But once again, like you had mentioned in a previous conversation, Heather, these are things that I'm realizing I probably need other people's money to make things happen because yes, I am a university professor, but we do not make a lot of money. And especially now with real estate, like I was hoping everything would crash and I'd be able to get something for like really cheap, but no, everything is like doubled in price. So so cold, Amanda, so cold. (laughs) I know, it's awful. It's like, but I also remember 2007 and then 2008 and 2009. So we'll see. (laughs) Well, I really look forward to seeing whatever you do come up with. I really look forward to seeing uh, the circus group uh, start up again. And I definitely want to be kept in touch. We want to be kept in touch with all of your comings and goings. Dr. Amanda Morgan, this has been a really fantastic time Mm -hmm. to hang out with you, to catch up, to get a little deeper into the great things that you're doing at UNLV with your studies and with your visions for the future. And if you could do me a favor, you remember so many things, but I don't know if you're already keeping a journal of the different experiences you have, the different stories that come across your daily life, whether it's through students or other people that you help. Keep records of those, obviously anonymous, you know, that for privacy. That would make privacy, the best coffee table book, just random quotes. Keep that, <laughs> right? And then let's have more conversations in the future because I could talk to you for hours about all this. <laughs> Well, I would love to be back anytime. And yes, I have a feeling that a book or something will be in my near future because yes, there's, there's a lot happening in this head and in my life experiences that, yeah, who knows? Uh, it's almost like I've got too many possible things to write about. I get overwhelmed. <laughs> but even if I just like wrote about what I've experienced, I've, I've got some stories. Yeah, well, I'd stories love to share them with you. you. Share them. Like, I, I went to China and taught sex ed. We'll have that on another podcast. Oh my Absolutely. Gosh. Yes, please. Wow. Let's do that. Sex overseas. Oh, let's do that. I already that. have the title. Here we go. <laughs> we are looking forward to having you again on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. It is my honor to be one of your guests, especially your first recorded guest. You're amazing. So great. You're Happy. Really. And, and I just, I'm so excited. Like, you guys have such a special love together mm. and, and the community that you have fostered as well. Like, I'm excited to see the community that you continue to foster through this podcast on an even larger scale. So spread that love, you guys. Thank you for that. Thank, Thank you. you. We will. Thank you. You keep spreading it too. <laughs> I will. And if people want to find you. Um, I have a website, askdramanda, askdramanda, the abbreviation, dot com. And I also have, a, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. And you're on Twitter at askdramanda. Um, Perfect. And then if you're interested in Dr. Sexpot's Erotic Circus, that has a Facebook as well, drsexpot.com. I'm working on uh, uh, bumping that up too. <laughs> you hear that, event producers of the world? The group is ready. We're ready. They We're can ready travel. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Love you lots. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Love you. Whew. Wow. Mm-hmm. What a great interview. She is really fun to talk with every time. So much fun. So many stories, right? right. Yeah, all those uh, little liberations she gets to experience working as a sex educator. Right. Helping open people's minds and, and self-expression. Yeah. It really is interesting to me how she ended up becoming a staff 
member of a sex museum. Right? And then the the nerdy academic diversity that was found at the sex museum. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One of the things that struck me most is when she said, "Sex is how adults play." Right? That was oh, beautiful. That like it just like hit a chord within me, you know, like when they hit the gong or whatever. It was it just struck me. Yeah. Sex is how adults play. Yeah, me too. And you know, not all adults obviously for the asexual listeners, we're not excluding you. It's not how all adults play, but I felt that as a generalization that was a really beautiful, uh, potentially healing statement from her. I agree. And I feel that so many of us can benefit from injecting some silliness in our lives, particularly in the bedroom. Yeah, and for all of us sexualized or sexual people, you know, it's also a reminder to not take it seriously, to introduce some laughs and fun into it. It is how we play, and so it can be pretty absurd. It can be. It can be <laughs> absurd. It can be weird. It doesn't have to all be like super romantic or super serious. In fact, one of the reasons that I fell in love with Heather so much is because. When we started our sex life together, we had so much fun. We laughed so much in the bedroom. You remember that? <laughs> I do. <laughs> remember? I mean, we I think still that do. happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Oh, man, I really also hope that she writes that coffee table book. Right? I would read that over and over again. Personally, I want to hear all about her experiences teaching sex ed in China. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be an incredible Incredible interview! What a cultural experience, you know. So, dear listeners, our love bunnies, if you want us to have more interviews with Dr. Amanda, let us know on the socials. And of course, you can always find her at www.askdramanda.com. That's Dr. Dr. And of course, we'll have all the information and the links in the show notes. Yes. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you for joining us, and remember, you can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com/howtoloveforever, and on Instagram at howto_numeral2loveforever. We are always looking to hear your feedback, what you would like us to cover, and maybe if you would like to share some of your own perspective and insights, you could come in as one of our amazing guests. Yeah, or even send us a message of an anonymous story you'd like us to share. That could be a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Right? That sounds great. Do that. Do that. <laughs> Do that one. Also, if you feel that the show we're putting together provides some value, is good for the world, or just plain entertaining, we would love for you to join our community on Patreon. We have a whole range of relationship levels you can choose from, and the more committed you become, the more we're going to be able to share with you. Absolutely. So join us next week for an episode all about bringing fun and silliness into your relationship. Yeah. Now, fun <laughs> is a crucial vitamin in our life. And we look forward to sharing these techniques with you. So, until then, remember: love deep, love hard, love, love forever. forever. Oh, bugger off, bunnies! <laughs> Go have fun. Go have fun. Go <laughs> hop around silly. like little love bunnies. <laughs> Go bunny make love in a field. <laughs> so long as it's not in public property, because you could get arrested for that. <laughs> Or just don't get caught. Or just don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs>